Hello and welcome to Fresh Air. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. I'm Martin. I'm Chris. And I'm Andy. And tonight we're going to be covering political ethics. This is going to be another multi-chapter episode because there's so much we need to cover and we also want to break it down into more manageable pieces. We're also probably going to come back and look at the particular chapters in more detail in future seasons. So the chapters that we're going to cover of political ethics are obviously the introduction to political ethics, legitimacy and obligation, justice, what is that? What is freedom? Legislation and ideologies. So tonight we're doing chapter one. What is political ethics, really, when it comes down to it? Martin? Well, politically, political ethics is basically, uh, well, what you hear is what you get. It's ethics as it pertains to politics. And it's important in a number of ways because it helps us live a life that is satisfying or perhaps even that it helps us flourish, as is the point with other forms of ethics. And it may also provide a government with a sense of legitimacy. So you mentioned, obviously, that it's definitely important for ethics to be there for the people. And you're saying that it's actually important to the the political parties involved as well. So let's briefly cover what you said there with legitimacy. I mean, how does it relate to that? Well, depending on the form of legitimacy you're choosing to adhere to, um, it can be the first guiding principle of accepting the fact that there is something like political legitimacy, that the government that controls your environment is legitimate, or uh, it can simply be something that adds on to why you enjoy or approve of a certain government. So one of the key things there, it it sounds like you're talking about trust of the voters. Um, Yeah. Trust, but not necessarily. I mean, you can mistrust, yes, yet accept the political party. Now, when you say accept there, are you speaking of the fact that you might not necessarily trust them, but because they've got legitimacy about a particular topic, you trust their thoughts on that topic, or you trust that they're being honest about their thoughts on that topic, even if you don't necessarily think they've got it right? Uh, well, if you compare it to the police, yeah. Uh, I, I personally, I don't trust the police, but the, they do have a certain authority and a certain power uh, and the ability to use force, which I acknowledge and respect. And therefore, I accept the fact that there are policemen out there doing whatever the government asks of them. Also, uh, they are an integral and very important part of the rule of law which we may get into at a later point. So coming back to the voters, do you think that morality is important to the perception of the voters in regards to a particular political party? Um, I think it is, though um, I'm getting the impression that more and more it's not really about morality as much as it is agreeing with them. I mean, we could go one step further and go to the point where it seems democracy is more of a 
popularity contest these days than it is about whether someone's moral or correct. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So how do you think popularity could potentially tie in with legitimacy? Oh, well, uh, at that point, you're uh, basically going to the point where you say that democracy is uh, the deciding point of origin for legitimacy. And in that case, um, there's going to be some fairly hard questions that do need answering. And do you think, even though it might be in some people's perception, that popularity really qualifies to make something legitimate? Um, well, um, there is like a, a difference, I guess, between uh, what is perceived to be legitimate and what actually is legitimate. And that, that's kind of a hard thing to describe, I guess. But um, for instance, the fact that a government can use force to coerce its population uh, does make them make their rule more legitimate. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are being perceived as legitimate. And I suppose it could also go the other way where someone might perceive a ruler as legitimate because maybe their morality matches the person so therefore you think they're speaking the the, the truth and things that they say oh yeah, yeah yeah but rather than actually being legitimate it's just confirmation bias yeah i, I guess that's true yeah uh, an important side note perhaps to this discussion uh, when we are talking about political legitimacy we are basically talking about what is called what you can summarize as the right to rule. So do you think all parties have a particular moral compass and ethical standard that they ought to be following? I, I think that they do, um, and that they actually try to follow it. And do you think they follow it at all times? Or do they do stuff under the table, like, oh, no, well, no one will know that we're not following our compass, but this benefits us? Or, or is there facts where they're openly like, we think this is this is against our morality, but actually we think this is the best option right now. It's the lesser of two evils. Oh, well, uh, they will, of course, occasionally be forced to act differently. But in many countries... Uh, I believe the UK is not one of them at the moment. Political parties will have to work together to get some get a certain result, and in that case, they will have to compromise, of course, and sometimes actually exchange subjects. So a year ago or something like that, maybe one and a half year ago, uh, my government had the plan to abolish the dividend taxation. Eventually, due to it just simply being unpopular and uh, eventually the CEO of Unilever saying, yeah, we don't really need that. The whole plan got blown away, but a few months later, that same party, which is known for uh, wanting to build more roads, actually got three extra roads built. And that's because they sacrificed that one issue of the dividend taxation for later being able to build roads so as to preserve the coalition they're part of with their legitimacy. So like we might in real life sometimes have to make a difficult choice that is for the greater good. 
if we take that back to maybe the trolley problem, sometimes it's pulling that lever to kill the one in the hope of saving the five. Um, yeah, but it could also be killing the five because down the line there's another seven seven people, and you hope to be able to, I don't know, change directions again or something like that. Well, that comes down to uh, future modeling, I guess. And I suppose when we're speaking of politics, there's going to be so many different concerns, not just, you know, singularly moral concerns, but the economy and all sorts. And then there's, I suppose there's going to be ethical concerns within economical principles and the like too. Uh, yeah, there are. The economy is like, well, economics is the least sciencey science of science. <laughs> that sounded a bit like wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff yeah but it basically is sort of i mean there's all kinds of beautiful models and each choice has at least two models with a lot of different adherents and nothing has ever really been proven to work <laughs> yeah i suppose uh Life is too hard to predict like that. <laughs> it's not like doing a capacity model in a in a call center or something like that, where you've got very strict dynamics and you know what's going to happen. You know what your busy periods are. You just basically have a you know a, an easy eighty twenty rule. You know eighty percent of the time this is going to be bang on, and twenty percent of the time you're going to be slightly over or slightly under your staff. Uh, when you're looking at such a large scale with so many influences, I, I doubt anyone's got the mind to process that properly. And if they do, they're probably doing other things. Sorry, did you call that a pasty model? <laughs> Capacity model. <laughs> ah, Someone's sorry. Angry. It cut out a bit and it was like, yeah, I kind of also failed. Sorry. I was just thinking, what the fuck does that have to do? Pasties. <laughs> well you know if you've got people staying late you might need to buy a certain amount of extra food in and the pasty is one of the cheapest meals so it's a pasty model i was wondering if it was like well nearly everything that you're trying to figure out is enclosed nicely but there's always that little bit of gravy leakage that makes a mess of, out of what you're trying to do <laughs> that's economics but to bring it back on track. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, Martin, for this introduction to political ethics, is there anything else that we need to be aware of or anything that you think that might whet people's appetite for the future chapters? Well, um, what's to me very appetizing, at least, is that it's very, very, very complicated. Um, because you might be able to say like, well, X policy is definitely the most moral one, but it will have a lot of detrimental aspects to, for instance, the economy, which would eventually lead a lot of people to be either laid off or in some other case, worse off. And that's basically what's the most interesting thing. And for instance, we could say like, well, it would be the most moral thing for the US to no longer make money waging war, right? But that would mean a lot of people would certainly be laid off. Um, one of their biggest industries would plummet and they would eventually cause a worldwide fucking economic crisis. And that's also something you should avoid. So these kinds of questions are basically um, well, what we'll be getting into and what is actually very complicated and very exciting. 
Also, uh, one thing we should always keep in mind when we discuss anything regarding politics is that every choice has one of three consequences. And that is that either people will live better, will be killed, or will be, as they say, let die. So it sounds like uh, there's obviously a lot to take in from an, uh, an ethical point of view. We've got consequence upon consequence upon consequence. And you can't necessarily just base decisions on the first order consequences. No, you can't. And that's one of the things that makes it really exciting. Well, that's awesome. Guys, do you have any questions? No, I'm good. Good, yeah. Don't completely follow what the validity thing really means in this context, but we're going to come back to that in more detail another time. And I have done brain today, so it's probably just on me. Uh, if you're speaking about legitimacy, yep, that is chapter two. That's when we speak legitimacy and obligation. Yeah, well, excellent. Legitimacy, not validity. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, that's been our brief introduction to political ethics. That was chapter one. Chapter two will be legitimacy and obligation. Chapter three, what is justice? Chapter four, what is freedom? Chapter five, legislation. And chapter six, ideologies. Now, I've announced all of these episodes, but it may be that we realize as we are recording these chapters that actually we need to put another chapter in or else but at this moment in time with our show plan you know exactly what is coming up i hope that your appetite is aptly whetted and you are going to be joining us for the rest of this episode you've been listening to fresh air i'm joe i'm dave i'm martin i'm chris i'm andy good night good night all good night Love you.